Hello everybody and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness. I'm your host and I'm delighted today to welcome uh, Mike back onto the show. Hello Mike, how are you? Yeah, not too bad Anthony. It's been a while unfortunately for the lockdown situation. Yeah, it, had, it didn't really make it conducive uh, to recording. But um, anyway, in today's episode what we're going to do is um, we're going to revisit the last recording we did with regards to the coronavirus which was um, episode 46. Um, so first of all, we're going to look at some of the uh, issues um, that we covered and going to see how they've developed in the intervening um, three months because um, quite a lot has changed, hasn't it? Mike? Yeah, definitely. Um, considering that the last episode we recorded together was yeah. before the lockdown it was, started. Yeah, it was. A, so the last episode we did was on the March on March the seventeenth, and then here in the UK we went into lockdown on the twenty third. So yeah, a lot has changed. Then um, after that, we're going to look at where we actually find ourselves today uh, in terms of the current situation with regards to the coronavirus. So we'll look at some of the main things that are making news headlines and some things in the alternative media as well. And then lastly, we'll finish by looking at some future predictions for how we think, how should we say, the government and those the government are following their orders from the deep state or the cabal in terms of how things might develop, Mike, yeah, for the rest of this year, <laughs> year 2020, which is living up to its namesake of, um, you know, 2020 in plain sight. Because I feel that more is going to be revealed and, we're, and we'll look at that towards the end of the episode. Anyway, we'll crack on with um, relating to episode 46, Mike, where we spoke about some of the main things that were in the media at the time and the first thing obviously was the 5g because within the mainstream there was this whole idea of obviously they were focusing on the 5g conspiracy and in the alternative there was this ig idea i should say that the 5g towers or the 5g frequency was being linked to the outbreak and there was these rumors going round that uh in northern italy near milan that the, the epicenter of the outbreak in italy um the reason why uh, that was the epicenter is because they were trialing 5G in and around Milan and and they, they that was the explanation. So uh, I think at the time we were both a bit sceptical of the whole 5G aspect. Yeah, um, I'd only just, well, before the episode ran, um, I think I'd only just read up on about it to try and talk about it within that episode. Uh, yeah, so the whole 5G thing was a big scare, big conspiracy thing um, that only really went on for about a month mm. in that lockdown period, if I remember right. Then it, it kind of faded. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, I still hold what I said um, back of that episode, how that 5G thing is most probably not good for us in the electromagnetic soup we live in. Sure. Um, but at the same time, I definitely didn't think that the 5g and the virus were going to be heavily linked right because like that's what in the mainstream they were saying wasn't it to discredit that conspiracy was that um they were saying that people like david ike was suggesting that the 5g frequency was causing the virus whereas what we would argue is that obviously um there might be an issue with um the frequency of 5g affecting our cells or our affecting um, us on a cellular level to yeah. do with oxygen cells. Yeah, it, 
literally, it could just be one of those things that the 5G was um, the knocking over of a domino. Sure. Doesn't necessarily mean that the 5G was causing all the other dominoes to knock no. over. And I think that's what David Icke was saying. It's um, It could just be something else that will... Um, tip people over the edge but he never has he never said and other researchers never said 5g the 5g frequency is causing the coronavirus because obviously that is that's something that's very hard to prove and it's easy to discredit yeah so um we'll move on, off this one because yeah yeah and, really I agree, and I, time on it. yeah and i agree with you it did it did kind of die a bit of a death didn't it yeah well yeah. kind of deserved it to be yeah fair. yeah yeah um, you know, we did make a prediction that vaccines would uh, eventually come along. Mm. They still haven't yet. Well, they haven't yet, but I think we both agree, and our listeners, that they're still heavily being promoted in the media from the World Health Organization, and obviously uh, from government aspect um, scientists who are saying the mantra is, as we know, the only way that we can eradicate the virus and return to normal is when a vaccine comes along. That really hasn't changed, has it? If anything, I think that rhetoric's being upped. Would you agree with that? Yeah, um, leading up to um, the end of lockdown, and then all talking about the second wave, like, we need to fear it like the plague. Sure, yeah. Uh, it, it does tell you that they really do want to promote this vaccine and get everyone onto it. Um, yeah. I mean, it does. It does remain that that is seen as the the golden bullet. That's going to be the golden bullet that's going to eradicate this problem, and you know we won't. Uh, we'll no longer have to wear masks or adhere to social distancing. And that is that hasn't changed, has it? In the three months, as I said, it's, if anything, that rhetoric's pretty much been amped up, amped up. Hasn't it? Yeah. So what else did we talk about, Mike? The other thing that we spoke about was the whole Q anon phenomena. Uh, and this idea, well, at the time we spoke about how in the preceding few years, literally dozens, if not more than a 100, I believe, um, CEOs had been resigning from major companies around the world. Now, I haven't seen so many headlines. I believe it is still happening, Mike. Uh, so that phenomenon is still happening, but not to the same degree it was back in March. Yeah, so last year um, was the biggest number from since 2008 of CEOs stepping down yeah. and normally you would expect that to be in a really bad situation like we've failed the company we've got to step down sure. but they were all doing it before the bubble was going to so break for inexplicable reasons yeah like they already knew what was going on in a way sure yeah, yeah. um so it's not just the CEO things but QAnon has heavily come out now with um the whole arresting the pedophiles sure which, to be honest, I love the idea of this. And I really want to get behind this. Um, but well, the same... we all want justice to be served. But at the same time, a lot of the things that were coming out from QAnon at the... Well, from certain people representing QAnon, shall we say, at the beginning of this lockdown, um, definitely didn't come to pass in the way they said. Like the three days of darkness. Yeah. Uh, which um, was... Yeah, they said that was going to happen nearly the beginning of April or something. Well, some of the material um, that we were both listening to with David Wilcock, uh, the author David Wilcock, he was saying around about it was Easter time, wasn't yeah. it? So I think we both kind of switched our attention away from that because it's like we're waiting for this event to happen, which might never happen. So it's a bit it's a bit like a, a dog chasing its tail. It's a bit of a waste of time focusing on that. I think we're both open to some of the ideas of Q, aren't we? Oh, yeah. 
Um, I think it would be wrong to completely discredit it, but we're not waiting for that kind of saviour moment. And we both think, just very briefly, that Trump is an outlier. He's definitely not a member of the cabal, but we're not, we don't want to put him in the saviour kind of um, frame. You know, we don't see him as a saviour, do we? Yeah, not... <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. I wouldn't look up to him, put it that no. way. No, so something else, just moving on quickly, Mike, that we spoke about was the potential imposition of martial law. Now, we haven't seen that happen, have we? But the there was a potential for that with the whole Black Lives Matter movement coming to the fore and all the riots and violence in the States after the killing of George Floyd and we won't go into the whole circumstances around that maybe for a future episode we can look into the anomalies around that but so there was the potential for that with the establishment of the whole autonomous zone in Seattle and you know I think they were as I've said in some of my coronavirus musings I think the intentions was for the Democrats or the Demo Rats, as they've been known, <laughs> to provoke Trump into sending in the army, and it he did do that. It almost seemed like that, yeah, didn't that it? The situation there, and luckily he did resist that because I think that if that had had happened, then you might have seen that in other states where violence was happening. Well, to be fair, there was a lot of violence happening in those states anyway. The amount yes. of people that got run over with those Black Lives Matter protests. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's shocking that people would actually be willing to do this. Yeah, and as 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 we keen to point out, this is a kind of bit of a summary of where we're at and yeah. revisiting, but in future we'll go into more detail some of these issues. So I believe we also talked about the imposition of cashless society, Mike. Yeah, um, that seems to be going in that direction, um, considering that with the lockdown, um, a lot of places weren't accepting cash. No. I remember when the first couple of days of lockdown, I couldn't even get cash out of my bank Could you account. Not? No, couldn't oh, withdraw any yeah, cash at the cash machine. Now, um, after like two or three days, that came back into it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, most people are just like, if it's not contactless, then we can't take your money. And and the thing is, um, just quickly on this point, Mike, um, like a local garden centre where I live in the New Forest uh, in Bewley uh, is not accepting cash. And various other local retailers are saying they're not accepting cash. And as we know, actually, you know, around the legalities of that. It's, it's, again, it's difficult because you could insist because cash is legal tender and they've just made these executive decisions and you think, well, what's it based on? Well, to be fair, all businesses do have a right to refuse um, to refuse to serve you mm. for, for any to reason they want. Cash, yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you like with the whole mask thing at the moment, mm. a shop has a total right to stop you coming into their store if you're not wearing a mask. Sure. I'm not a fan of this idea. But to be honest, I'm not a fan of people that kick off like crazy at it either. Yeah, there's a middle ground, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I think I think we could say we were pretty much spot on there. The move towards cashless society pretty much, I think, is, is their intended goal. And today, the uh, head of the Bank of England here in the UK has announced, I saw a newspaper article, that within the next two years, it's is it, it's likely, if I can get my words out, Mike, <laughs> it's likely that the UK will be moving to some form of digital currency, ka -ching. And as I said to you earlier, Mike, that's not necessarily a wrong thing. I'm not opposed to digital currency, but it's the power behind that. Well, to be fair, all they have to, they don't even have to invent a new digital currency. They can just be like, right, everything's card only now. Exactly. We're, so we're it's not, a de facto. We're not accepting cash. 
they don't have to invent a whole new currency to do that. Sure. And then suddenly it's like, oh, you're on the person non grata list. Yeah, exactly. Your cards don't work yeah. anymore. So it's graduation. They just do it through a process of graduation. Um, lastly, uh, what we covered in episode 46 back in March, way back in March. Way back in way March. Way back in March. And to be honest, it just goes to show how right we were on this point of um, how long the lockdown yeah, was going so to last. Obviously, we were literally a matter of days before the UK went into lockdown and various other countries. And at the time, uh, we were predicting that. But we predicted, and please do go back. I'll, I'll put a link, Mike, in the description to yep. episode 46 so people can check what we were talking about. We did predict that it would be a long-term ongoing thing. And at the time, I think the government said they were going to check it three weeks hence or three weeks after Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, announced it. And, of course, what we had, rolling lockdowns after yeah. that point, which we predicted, well, which is common sense. Wasn't really. it initially um, suggested to last all the way into October time? Yeah. Then there was a huge backlash to that. So it was like, OK, we'll just do a month's lockdown. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, no, no, we need another month on top of that. Yeah. And then how long has it been now? Uh, since we've been in lockdown. Yeah. So it's now, it, we went into lockdown on March the 21st. We're coming up for four months. Four April, months. May, June, July. Yeah, yeah, coming up for four months. So bloody hell, it's been way too long. Um, the weather's been far too good during <laughs> this period. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, so as so, I so say um, to our listeners, please do check out episode 46 and you can see some of the predictions we made, whether they were right. So moving on now to the real meat and bones of this episode, Mike, we're going to look at the current situation on the ground and see what uh, the main issues are and the main themes, uh, certainly within the mainstream media. So obviously in the, the last few weeks, we've to pick up the lockdown again. That has been eased. And basically now the only things remaining are leisure centres and a few other things. But as of this week, Mike, most things now are open, still operating under those dreaded social conditioning terms, but they are open. Yeah. Some people are better than others. Um, I find that the businesses that really do keep harshly to the to the restriction measures, sure. I find less appealing than ones that don't. Yeah. And of course, we do. We've both experienced going into pubs and how uh, due to the contact tracing, the NHS contact tracing, which is which is isn't an app at the moment. They they they, yeah, <laughs> they ask for your contact details and the place that my friend and I went to. Uh, as I said in my coronavirus musings, they had a form, uh, but there was no one, there was no element of compulsion. So we uh, initially we put fictitious details and then we chucked it in the bin because there was no one enforcing it. So it does depend on whatever business you go in, go into, how they're policing it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but one thing I will say is try not to give business owners hard times over them employing these restrictions because yeah. at the end of the day um for legality reasons and just for their business reputation they have to be seen to be going along with these things yeah and also they have a concern because even though they might know that uh you know there's a large element of the coronavirus certainly that's planned and it might even just be the grandest of hoaxes since the second world war and a lot of evidence is pointing towards that they have to be seen to protect their customers because they might be invoking their license. And yep. secondly, they are under threat of closure if they don't follow government guidelines. So, I mean, what Mike and I would suggest is 
just check out businesses and give your businesses to companies that have a light light touch approach yeah yeah you know the ones we, that are dealing with it sensibly yeah exactly because we want you know we still want to go to pubs and bars you know like a just lot of our listeners just not weatherspoons here in the uk <laughs> yeah which seem to be seem to be the the kind of pub nazis as they become known because they're just enforcing uh, ridiculous rules so, <laughs> yeah so anyway moving on the current situation here which is very pertinent because today the health secretary the great uh Matt Hancock has announced that face masks, as I say, as of the 24th of July, are going to be mandatory uh, in all shops. Now, I believe children under 11 are exempt and certain people like um, people who have autism, so certain health, health conditions yeah, and yeah, things, yeah. you can be exempt. Now, both Mike and I are very alarmed at this because, you know, the symbolism of a mask, the fact that people are being muzzled, the fact that it's a real symbol of uh, oppression in a way and, you know, diminishing people's uh, free speech and the fact that we're now moving towards an element of compulsion, uh, which I'm puts me in a difficult position because I'm now really, I don't want to wear a mask and I'm having this dilemma, Mike, am I overreacting? Because I feel this is a real sinister development in the whole coronavirus government tyranny. But uh, by the that? same token, I want to still be able to go to shops. Or do I now just shop online for foods and groceries? Do you understand my dilemma? Oh, definitely. I mean, I've definitely not been a fan of this whole wearing, I'm forcing people to wear a mask. Yeah. Especially for most of the time. Sure. It's okay, like, if you've got to get into a bus or a train and you're with a lot of people in a crowded environment. Yeah, sure. I, I, I would wear a mask in that situation. Sure. But I don't want to have to wear a mask to just walk down the street and go along my daily business. Do you think this is leading to this? Do you think then eventually the government will say, okay, we've started with shops, now we're saying, you know, all public spaces. They, that... they will get to that point eventually. Like a cop could stop you on the street and sure. be like, right, you're not wearing a mask. Is your sure. fine? And that's where, yeah, again, it's the whole dehumanisation of people. Because sure. um, the face and the eyes are the most, um, you know, relatable parts Expressive of the person. in terms of yeah. body language, yeah. So if you're cutting away the ability to see someone's face, that's taking a lot of humanity away from well, someone. You can't that... see someone's... You know, some days I just walk past someone and they give us a smile. It's like, oh, you know, I'm... I'm winning now. Do you know when a stranger smiles at you, you feel great. No, I was gonna say whenever I pass on and they look at me, I'm like smile yeah, away. Exactly. You know. And they're taking that away from it's basically taking our basic humanity and I feel um from a conspiratorial anger, it's like they want to impose a kind of restrictions upon life where living basic day-to-day -day life in a public sphere becomes so unpleasant and in order to get that released they're going to offer us the vaccine. And that's what that's what I think. And I think, yeah. agree with you, Mike. I think eventually it will be face masks in all public spaces. And, of course, what will happen is they'll know through a, through a mechanism of public shaming, they won't have to police it. You'll get the ardent COVID-idiots, as they've become known. The <laughs> you know, those who oh, are wearing the, phrase now? <laughs> yeah, the COVID-idiots who are wearing the masks before it's being policed and enforced 
will turn around and say, where's your mask? Don't, do you want to kill grandma? And that's what, that's where I feel. And it just creates such a division and divide. I mean, this is the crazy thing about the, the current situation with the masks is the who. Let's uh, look at the science. Yeah, the who actually released a statement. How long ago was that? So, yeah, I've got my notes here, Mike. It was, it was in June, on June the 9th. Um, on June the 9th, the World Health Organization confirmed that the virus or transmission, sorry, the transmission of the virus by asymptomatic people, so in other words, people who are unaware of having the virus or have no symptoms, is extremely rare. Yeah, so this whole point of wearing a mask is not to protect yourself, but yeah. to protect other people. Mm -hmm. And it's only about protecting other people if you happen to have it sure. and not show symptoms, i.e. asymptomatic. Sure. So the WHO have officially admitted yeah. that it's almost impossible, like very, very rare situation, for you to catch it off of someone who is asymptomatic. So in other words, why are we wearing the masks? Exactly. So I'll just, Mike, um, just for our let listeners' benefit, I'll put a link in and they can see it. It's only a five-minute clip, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very it's very good because it, it just backs up what we're saying, basically. Yeah, so... Um... Again, I'm I'm kind of on the fence of this. I would wear a mask if I was on a bus and it was a crowded bus and there was lots of people there. I would feel like, yeah, I'll, I'll put a mask on for that. Sure. But if I'm walking down a high street, um, there might be like five other people that I can see in my vicinity. I don't feel the need to wear a uh, mask. And so really, back to the World Health Organization, what they're saying is... You know, and we can see that the government downgraded the virus back in March before we went into lockdown, downgraded the seriousness of the pandemic. I don't think you need to be a conspiracy tinfoil hat, you know, so-called nutter or a truther to conclude that the mask wearing is largely about control. Would you agree? Yeah, um, especially with the government rhetoric. I mean, yeah. generally speaking, everything that's happened um in terms of government decisions have all been based off some as far as i can tell some dodgy models yeah that um are completely not correct i mean the whole model that was used to start this lockdown oh, from john hopkins by the um what was his name can't remember oh ferguson the professor ferguson well anyway um yeah that model that was the model that the government used to justify the lockdown yeah. uh, and it wasn't the correct model no because he said the software was sticky <laughs> basically he built a dodgy bit of software yeah, and, and it, it's a bit like you know after it came to light that iraq had no weapons of mass destruction uh, during the iraq war in uh, 2003 after the us-led invasion they blamed the faulty intelligence <laughs> not our fault governor you know, it's the same thing, how they get out of it. Exactly. Time. So, um, yeah, on this face mask one, uh, just to wrap it up quickly, I'd yeah, say sure. um, don't be mean to businesses. If sure. they ask you to wear a mask to go into the shop, just do it for that. I mean, come on, there's no point making other people's lives harder for no reason. And what the, the Hancock individual, I won't share my opinion of him. Um, well... <laughs> in his name isn't it yeah yeah it's kind of in the name as he given has said has advised uh, businesses um it will be policed by shop staff which again is very unfair 
but they said if people resist then they'll call the police and it's and then you're just in a position you can't win in that position yeah. we know it's wrong we're being forced into positions um whereby we're having to do things we don't want to do and this is the whole kind of pavlovian social conditioning behavior kind of the whole behavior management behaviorism um, element of it and it's very sinister um, and there's not a huge amount at this stage that we can do anyway something else that's uh, an issue at the moment uh, we touched upon it briefly Mike is the whole idea of contact tracing so here in the UK we don't actually have a, an app it was trialed in the Isle of Wight failed miserably failed miserably didn't work that's probably because the Isle of Wight is mainly that's the homeland of uh, David Icke is mainly uh, the population demographic is older people so most people probably didn't even have don't even have a smartphone anyway so it was announced a few weeks ago that the government are going to move over to is it to a Google one anyway one of the big tech companies yeah, I don't know. and by the winter it's going to be up and running so at the moment the contact tracing, as we said earlier, about restaurants and pubs is run on the basis of people giving their contact details, including your mobile phone number. So if it comes to light that you were in contact with someone with the bogeyman virus, you'll get a call from NHS and they'll say you have to self-isolate. Is that right? Is that the SIN system as I see it? Well, as far as I'm aware, I'm, I haven't really been keeping up with the whole contact tracing thing. I mean... Sure. The most ridiculous thing I find about this whole contact tracing, especially if it's run on an app-based system, is so that will only work if you're carrying your phone with you. Right, on Bluetooth, yeah. Isn't the government already tracking everyone's phone wherever they go anyway? Yeah, pretty much. So why do they need an app to yeah. make this work? Sure. Or is this just a clever way of introducing more... Um, surveillance, surveillance, on surveillance us. yeah, all under the auspices or umbrella of public health. It's amazing what you can do under public health. Yeah, <laughs> you can get away with anything. Yeah, well, so they have. <laughs> they have. So this is something uh, that will develop once the uh, the the app is uh, up and running. So watch this space. So the other thing that is, you guys have probably seen it in the the news. The second wave is coming and the second wave is going to be even more deadly than the first. And again, on your Facebook timelines, you've probably seen Bill, a.k.a. Kill Gates and his amazing wife, uh, Melinda Gates, this classic interview where they've said, uh, and I paraphrase words to the effect, Mike, if people didn't, you know, take up, uh, notice the first wave, they're going to take up, you know, they're going to notice the second the second wave, and as he said that, after he said that, Melinda Gates goes, <laughs> Oh, yeah, huge grin huge, across her, quite manly face. To yeah, yeah, um, kind of mocking us. As, and let's hope that they're wrong and whatever they're planning doesn't come to light. But, you know, it does seem as if they may be planning a mass kill event or they might release something. We don't know. They might just ride on the flu figures like they the flu deaths they've done. I have to admit, though, there winter. has been one good thing coming out of that um, vaccine fear of the second wave thing yeah. with Bill Gates is um, it's come to light how not only was it like um, hundreds of thousands of people have been injured or killed in Africa where Bill Gates was doing the testing for his vaccine. Yeah, and some African countries have actually banned banned him from doing testing on them. Yeah. You're not testing on us anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um so it's actually really good that these things are coming to light because sure. do you know what? 
I knew he was doing testing in Africa, but as far as I'm aware, everything was going um, okay. Apparently, I think he's he he actually had to close down his Instagram account because so many people, or one of his social media yeah. accounts, because so many people have got wind actually of what he's doing under the umbrella of altruism of you know vaccinating in India and in countries in 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 Africa. More and more people are yeah. Uh, 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 understanding what his real intent is yeah i was gonna say if his real intent was to be an altruist and a philanthropist and help everyone sure he's actually rich enough to solve world hunger yeah so why doesn't he actually yeah because that that doesn't kill enough people (laughs) so as we know they often reveal themselves the elite right um through their words and i found uh, tony blair today speaking to sky news and this is a very real feeling thing mike and for the benefit of our listeners in terms of <coughs> what the second wave might involve so this is what he said so he said the second wave could pose a serious problem because to go back into lockdown is going to be really tough he said and he goes on to say let's be frank lockdown has been a lot easier because the days are longer um, the weather has been better and he went on to say it's not such a hardship to to be in lockdown when you're in the summer months and lastly he says this is a sinister bit now think of locking down in november december it's going to be really awful cheers mr blair <laughs> oh yeah and by the way if anyone didn't know november december time is roughly when flu season starts to peak again at its peak yeah so basically from that he's saying oh by the time flu season starts around we'll call that the second wave and then you really have to worry and basically as we know mike they're now basically saying any symptom is covid oh so yeah the- cough runny nose the list of symptoms it's, is getting ridiculous. it's literally everything diarrhea everything actually um that reminds me of something thanks for reminding me of this forgot about it uh-huh. it turns out that um this covid19 symptoms list mm. um doesn't fulfill a certain test for um a virus like it needs to have a succinct set of symptoms sure. um and it doesn't no. Which is quite an interesting thing. Like, as far as I'm concerned, they're just chucking every symptom at a wall and going, oh, exactly. that one's stuck, fixed. that yeah. one's stuck. Well, they haven't actually identified this particular form of coronavirus. And also, they're just testing for antibodies. Is that right? I mean... Well, there's a few different tests out there. Yeah. Um. So there's an antibody test, I think. I think there's um, a DNA test. Yeah. So it's actually looking for coronavirus DNA. Um, oh, by the way, that also includes the flu virus, uh, not the flu virus, the common cold. Yeah, sure. So if you've got the common cold virus going around you and in the moment, even if you're not suffering, um, yeah, that will turn up positive on a coronavirus test. Right. And they've all, they've all, I mean, the government admitted you get like false positive tests. And I've seen instances online uh, from testing in America whereby someone's been tested in the morning positive, positive and then in the evening they're positive. positive tested negative and we've had that case of a country in africa uh where he tested uh, i can't remember the name of the country where he tested a pawpaw fruit and then a goat yes and they both tested positive <laughs> so i mean you know it's it's just a complete nonsense and lastly on the issue of testing mike you showed me an interesting article in the new scientist no less 
in a recent issue that the plan is to test everyone eventually in our local city of Southampton. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a bit weird. That's I mean, a bit scary. <laughs> at the end of the day, um, yeah, the more people you test, the more people you go, oh, they've got it! Um, but then it turns out they're the asymptomatic people that don't yeah. give it to other people. Back to the World Health Organization. So it is a bit like the gift that just keeps on. <laughs> and as we've seen um, in Leicester, which was a, which is a city in the West Midlands, which was one of these that's gone into localised lockdown in the last few weeks, what happens, they identify an area... They identify a spike and then they put in loads of extra testing. Yeah. And of course, there's a spike in, a spike in positives and they go, oh, look, you see, we were right to put it into lockdown because now there's been a spike in, have you noticed they say cases? Yes. So the rhetoric's changed to cases, not the number of people with COVID, but the the cases. So they've changed, they've changed the rhetoric. Yeah, not only that, it's now... Um... The, num- the, the cases scenario rather than the number of deaths that exactly, they're going on yeah, about. Because that's going, in, on some instances, I think it's just been down to single figures or very near single figures here in the UK. So. Yeah. And that's without the fact that they're most be forging most of these figures. Exactly. So anyway, in the last part of the episode, just quickly, Mike, we're going to look at some future predictions for the end of this extraordinarily, extraordinary year of plain sight, a.k.a. 2020. So, as we've already mentioned, I think it's very likely that we will see a second wave in that they're going to orchestrate a second wave. And at the very least, I think they're going to use, obviously, all the deaths from flu, which in the UK is normally around about 50,000. It can stretch anywhere between... um... 40,000 to kind of like 65,000. And globally, I believe we checked stats just before we started. It's around about 600,000? Somewhere around that And figure. the global figure now for COVID is what? 500, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah around, around that. 500, yeah. So I believe that they're going to push the second wave. They've seeded it in the consciousness. They've done all the predictive programming. I mean, both of us, both of us, we don't want to be negative, do we, here at Discerning Consciousness? Unfortunately but, not, but we kind of have to. It seems like that's what they're going to push now. Whether they're going to actually re- release some kind of deadly virus that kills millions, let's hope not. But, you know, listening to the words of the demon Tony Blair, it's going to be really awful. And Mr. Kill Gates. Well, I was going to say... Every single one of the restrictions they've helped put in by yeah. government um, orchestrated standards yeah. have, in roundabout ways, only led to the lowering of the immune system of the individual. Sure. So keeping it, if you were to keep yourself locked up in the height of summer, yeah. get no sun, yeah. get no fresh air, your immune system's going down. Yeah. Yeah. So good, that means, sorry you are the science expert on discerning consciousness so i defer to you so does that mean that come the winter months those people with suppressed immune systems are going to be more susceptible to cold and flu viruses yes yeah right. um i'm not okay. sure how more susceptible but it's definitely certainly may- older people who are already yes yeah. so so keeping yourself locked in not getting any sun not getting any fresh air sure. they help lower your immune system um oh wearing the masks yes so the issue with we haven't tackled this we should 
uh, before the end of this episode. So the issue is people are not properly expelling. Is it carbon dioxide? So it's not necessarily about you you stopping the the, the air coming in. Right. It's the the build up of the air going out. Right. So yeah, I mean the worst thing is it's not stopping a virus, but if it is helping to put a surface yeah and they're always been talking about this thing existing on surfaces so you're putting a surface right in front of your Isn't mouth that ironic? And, uh, yet another contradiction <laughs> um and if you were to have it or you were to get like, the virus particles um on that surface and you're sure. constantly breathing hot warm air into it yeah and also, it, also the germs are going to collect on the moisture. It, You're going to have an explosion, explosion of skin problems. And also, can you imagine all the neuroticism and OCD from all the hand sanitising and all these rituals? I mean, it's just going to be it's going to be explosion of mental health problems related to this. Well, a lot of people have already committed suicide. Well, in this yeah, program, exactly. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, in I some cases, I... they say they've had more cases of suicide than actual coronavirus Yeah, deaths. and I think this is an issue that's going to come to light more and more. The amount of vulnerable people who've died um, whilst in lockdown or enforced social isolation. Specifically, I think, in urban areas where maybe the communities haven't come together and they've just been lost or forgotten. I don't mean deliberately, you know. Well, unfortunately, I only see that situation getting worse. But yeah. just to wrap up quickly on yeah, this sorry, whole, um, yeah, so every restriction the government has said, right, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, is helping to lower your, your, your immune system. And so, you know, in effect, I reckon um, this year's flu season is going to be a bad flu so season. So this is, you know, partly what Tony Blair's been yeah. about when he talks about it's going to be really awful. But then again, interestingly enough, looking at the data, two years ago, um, the 2018 to 2019 year period, yeah. um, they got the wrong um, flu vaccine. So they guessed wrong about which flu was going to be that seasonal flu. Sure. And so the flu vaccine was completely ineffective against the flu. Right. And then you had a... <laughs> the one a, thing that they didn't want to happen, happened. Yeah. Um, which ended up spiking the number of deaths um, by about double. So they said it caused an extra 40,000 deaths that year. And you can see the spike in the so data. So another interesting thing, thank you for that, Mike, that you've just brought to mind in the last few days. Again, back to Mr. Hancock. <laughs> he has said there's going to be a massive drive towards, you guessed it, the flu vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> so load us all up on the flu vaccine and who knows what's that's, what, what that's going to cause in well, our if bodies. If they spike that, then we're yeah. all done for... So just moving on quickly, a few more points before we end today, Mike. The thorny issue of the mandatory vaccines. Now, it is my hunch, and as I said in our last recording, that uh, Bill Kilbate Gates had already patented a type of coronavirus. And there's so many different types of coronaviruses. So how you patent a vaccine is beyond my small scientific brain. But so that uh, the vaccine was said to have been uh, patented last November. I don't believe that scientists are working, you know, 24-7 trying to find a vaccine. I believe there's already something on the table and the governments of the world, once they're given the order by the higher powers or the shadow government or those manipulating in the background, then then the virus, sorry, the vaccine will be rolled out. Now, as I said to you earlier, Mike, when we were talking around this issue, my hunch is that will be rolled out 
early next year. I don't think they will be. I don't think they will roll out the vaccine in 2020. What's your hunch? Um, well. If you're talking about the flu vaccine, that's definitely got to come yeah, this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're talking about the coronavirus vaccine, then yeah, you're definitely going to be looking at next year sometime. Yeah. Um, my bet would most probably be someone during the summer months. So you know the period that we've been in lockdown now. So you're talking about next summer. Yeah. Yeah. So the period that we've been locked down, say this year. Yeah, because the numbers are settling down, yeah. so it's not having such an impact. So next year, it's going to be like, oh my god. I can't believe it. We've just survived the second wave. The NHS is in tatters. Sure. Um, we've got to we've got to sell it off to to make sure it survives. Sure. So you'll find that they'll sell it more off. of a pretext for privatisation. Yeah. Sure. And it and it'll be in that period where the businesses that will be coming along and going, oh, don't worry, we'll pay for all these vaccines for you. Sure. Because at the end of the day, even though we'll get the vaccine for free under the NHS. Yes. It will be a case of, well, Bill Gates is still getting paid. Sure, sure. The other thing, Mike, which we haven't spoken about a lot today, which we will cover in future episodes, is the economic fallout. Because obviously, by the end of 2020, and we're just making predictions, obviously, about 2020, we both think it's going to be pretty hideous, and we hope it's not going to be as bad as the predictions are saying, but certainly in the retail sector, which is huge in this country, yeah. certainly after they destroyed the manufacturing industries going back to Thatcher, uh, the whole hospitality sector and travel and tourism, we both think is going to get really badly hit. But we are going to go into the economic consequences more in future episodes because there's only so much we can fit in in around about 45 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say the economic one, there's so much to talk about, not sure. just that, the the food stuff. Yeah, um, so that's going will, to come up later on. Which in... we will talk about. Right, we're coming towards the end of today's episode. Thank you, Mike. But we want to end on a positive note, right? Well, try it. We'll try <laughs> because, you know, I've been feeling really down in recent days. And last night I was on Facebook and... You know, when the government announced the new mandatory wearing of masks in shops, and as we know, it's not a law, but, you know, we're living in this world now where they can just implement whatever they like, basically. I was feeling really down, and it's so great to do a recording today because it lifts my spirits, and hopefully yours, and hopefully of our listeners, more yeah, importantly. But, you know, there is this idea of malicious compliance, isn't there, Mike? So, you know, if you're forced to wear your mask, why not, you know, have some sort of mantra on there, you know, like screw the government. I don't want to share because I don't <laughs> want us to be blocked on Podomatic. But, you know, or put a funny picture on it. You know what I mean? Don't get angry or aggressive because at the end of the day, that's just not going to work. I know what we should do. We should all wear face masks of Boris Johnson like a pig. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Or a pig head. And of course, that our, our UK listeners will re realise the pig head relates to, to Mr Cameron. But I was we, won't, say, we won't go into that. that. In <laughs> yeah. And also, the other thing, up, Mike, I want to remember, uh, to, to remember, to share to our listeners is, you know, the, the spiritual principle of the illusion of appearances in that things might appear really dark right now. And the shadow government and the cabal might have might appear to have this complete control, asymmetric control through the media. But as I often say on discerning consciousness, it's that analogy when the force, when the empire, if you remember Star Wars, is at its darkest, then its its power actually is about to shift. Although its power may look like it's at its strongest, 
that's about to shift. And there are some theories going around to do with the QAnon and other ideas that come September, as you said, Mike, uh, some stuff you've looked at, the, the coronavirus, get my words out, is no longer going to exist. Well, hopefully it fade out um, just as surprisingly as it came in. Yeah. But, um, yeah, try and keep um, positive notes. Don't get yourself um, bogged down by the virus and all the government rhetoric. And um, talking about good things coming out of bad things, mm. um, wasn't it the Leicester lockdown where they found um, the sweatshops that were yeah, there? So yeah. good things can come out of um, what seems to be bad at the moment. Yeah, thank you, for Mike. Mike, thank you for sharing that. That's Yeah, so I, I, just lastly, with a positive thing, folks, um, I, I now have my COVID-free days where I, I, I literally lock my phone away. I don't go on my laptop and that's it. And that does help. And I just focus on trying to, you know, being creative, going out, walking locally in the New Forest, doing my coronavirus music. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and just like other than that, no, no COVID. So, you know, please, guys, um, do get in contact with us. Share us your, you know, coping with COVID ideas. You know, that would be great. So just in terms of where you can find uh, Discerning Consciousness. So we are on all your favourite social media platforms. We're on Facebook, uh, Twitter and on Instagram and also on the Podomatic site. If you haven't already done so, if you could click the follow button, that would be great because that helps us out. And also, please do share this episode uh, on all your social media platforms. That would be great. Thank you for joining me today, Mike. Oh, thanks for inviting me. It's, it's, it's been a been, long time. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. And as I said at the beginning, we will share more of our insights on specific issues uh, in future with regards to the coronavirus. We've done a bit of a summary today, a bit of a round about the houses. Yeah, because it's been so long. It's since been so now. long. Yeah. So, yeah. So thank you again. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, it's been great to have you on board again. And I'll just leave you with these wise words once again, folks. Remember, if you're not in control of your consciousness, then someone else is. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.